Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going out. We got the billboards. Getting stupid and feeling proud. We're going to make a lot of noise. Turn the music loud. Johnny O'Mara. Hands up for them real ones. Them good girls and them billboards. Hands up for them real ones. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bill Buds podcast. And I would—I gotta say, right off the bat, a merry Decemberist miss to us all. I, of course, am one half of your hosts. Um, I'm—I uh, would say bottom half. Johnny, that's fair. Well, are we talking about a person or like a horse costume? Horse costume. Yeah, I think we're both the bottom half. Okay, we're two halves of the bottom <laughs> half of a horse costume. I, of course, am JPC with me as always, my co-host with the very Mo host. Mo ho 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 host. I have to say it. It's a disembarrassment. Johnny O'Mara, JJO, Johnny, I gotta ask, how is it going? It's great. And and just to clarify, I don't think we're two ha- two halves of the back half. I think we are each a back half. Uh, sort of a reverse cat dog. Oh, so we're like meeting at the head and like kind of like maybe like hugging at the waist and <laughs> it's just two back halves of the horse together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, interesting that you would call that a reverse cat dog uh, because I feel like a reverse cat dog is like a dog or a cat. <laughs> well, no. No, you're cat, right. You're right. Yeah, they're both butts. So yeah. who's the dog and who's the cat? That's the real question. I'm the I'm, dog, obviously. I'm the, the cat. cat. Yeah. <laughs> So there you have it, the reverse cat dog. Uh, That's what we go by, collectively, the reverse cat dog. But I got to say, Johnny, it's not just the reverse cat dog here today, because we have with us a very special guest, the inventor of Chicago podcasts. Uh, (laughs) They call him Mr. One Shot, and just don't call him late for dinner, the co-founder of the One Shot Network, the current GM of the campaign podcast, Mr. James D'Amato. James, welcome to the show. Hello, heroes, and a jocular Decemberist miss to us all. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's, hey, James, it's very, it's very nice to hear your voice, and it's very nice to have you celebrating Decemberist miss with us. I, I, I am so happy to be here. I, hey, first of all, big shout out to myself in the future listening mm-hmm. to this very episode. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying it. You will remember most of what happened this week. But only most. I got to say, I edit the show, and uh, it's constantly a surprise to me what we talk about and what is discussed. <laughs> I don't listen. I hit stop on my recording, and I never think about this show again. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, we know. We, 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 I listen to the ranking session every time. I know exactly that you know nothing about what you've said and never will. Can't wait till no. Johnny puts this album somewhere in the 90s and then has to uh, fervently <laughs> figure out where he can actually fit the album into. But I'll all... tell you right now, it's going to be 97A. <laughs> 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 uh, well, James, I mean, welcome to the show. Welcome to being an official Bill Bud, because as we know, any guest is now an official Bill Bud, uh, and that is forevermore. Uh, the only exception to that is Arnie Parrott. Shout out to Claire. What's up, Claire? You're listening? He's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as an official Bill Bud, we, we do have to ask you our introductory question, which is, James, and, and Johnny and I are, th- we, we've talked about you on the show, so we are thrilled to know your answer to this. What is your experience with pop music? I don't care for music. Um, it's uh, just for for the, the longest time in my life, just ne- never never been a thing for me. I've seen 
other people and that they get a great deal of enjoyment out of the stuff and couldn't be happier for them. Sure. But, uh, yeah, just just didn't listen to music, I guess. I, I, Johnny, I don't know about you, but I'm insanely curious to follow, to pull on this thread. <laughs> well, now, this might come as a surprise to everyone, but when I first met Jessica, she also just didn't care for music. It was so bizarre. That's very bizarre. And I said, I'm not going to talk to you anymore unless you at least pretend to listen to music sometimes. <laughs> and is she still just pretending, do you think? Or does she now have a love? And she's always wearing her music. earbuds and she's not even playing anything. <laughs> I, that Honestly, that describes me. I will forget that they're in my ears and be like walking around the house and Brian be like, are you listening to something? And I'm like, no, what do you ask? So I was like, oh, because I've been wearing these for two hours and they're out of battery. I was just on a plane yesterday. I was using the noise canceling on my earbuds. Oh, yeah. Then mm -hmm. I stopped listening because I was like off the plane, but I still had them in and they were still canceling noise. It was That's like great. I was, it was like I was walking around an airport with a bunch of ghosts. It was fantastic. That's great. <sighs> That's, That's a good experience. It's perfect for Johnny, of course. James, <laughs> now you, you have a younger sister. Yeah. In, in a, yes, in I a do. family. Were other <laughs> people in your family also music averse? Was it something that you got from no. them or? So, I mean, uh, like Faith uh, was definitely into pop music. Like during the, you know, pop wave of the 90s with, with your with your Britney Spear and sure. your boys Backstreet um, you know, was they, she was she Backstreet Boys or In Sync? Um, I believe Backstreet Boys. Don't hold me to that. I mean, Faith was a of a younger set, so Hanson, you know, was it was oh, a bigger deal in our yeah, household. Yeah. Um. Uh. But like, yeah, I remember that. Um. Our cousin took Faithy to a Britney Spears concert when she was younger. Like, wow. huge, huge deal for her, a huge deal for the household. So exciting. Um, but yeah, like, I think my parents never really uh, cared to, you know, introduce me to music. Um, and I always kind of assumed it would be a thing that I would get into when I was older. Uh -huh. uh, it's because like, you know, I'd, watch, I'd see all these adults in my life. They'd be listening to music. They'd have radio stations that they would pick, uh, whether I had a babysitter or something who was like listening to the radio. But yeah, it's just like, oh, maybe that'll be something I care about when I was older. No, we, we did have like a CD uh, and re record collection in the house. And I would have a CD. To, like, we yeah. had one CD in the house. We had one CD in the house. No, uh, but we, we had we had these collections, and I would listen to the stand-up comedy albums that we had. So that's, mm, that's kind What's of your where favorite? I was at. What was your stand-up that you were listening to? Oh, Johnny, none of it's aged well. No, it doesn't. Well, yeah. Do, hey, we know. We're going to have to do Dane Cook I, on this I show. Like this, so. I, oh, okay. Yeah, we, we, I feel we have like talked about Dane Cook on the show. <laughs> more poorly uh, than than anything else because uh, it was Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby which, himself, I bet, right? Yeah. yeah for for a child, I, I think it was Why Is There Air was a lot of mm. that. Um, yep. But like, yeah, you know, uh, Bill Cosby did a bunch of jokes that uh, work pretty well for kids, which is horrifying yeah. when you think about it. Um, but yeah, like there's Bill Cosby album, Jerry Seinfeld album, uh, also, you know, has it aged super great? Uh, not as bad, but the bar is low. Um, but yeah, really, really not listening to music. And it took a very long time before I, I had any experience with music that I would say uh, moved me at all. 
Do Do you remember um, James? What your first live concert was? Do you Do you know what your first? Of course I do. Of oh. course I do. Okay. Because it was Weird Al Yankovic. Okay. Um, yeah. That's That's awesome. Which Which do you remember? Like the, Running with Scissors tour. Running with Scissors. Yeah. <sighs> that's great. I, I love. I just, in a world where. James does not care for music that Weird Al Yankovic is still able to bring be like which is parodies of other music because so he's like, funny well, sure, JPC, sure. the thing that you need to understand is he's funny like sure. all the other musicians are out there writing their garbage he literally They're like does pop parodies <laughs> it's like if you don't have the context it's so wild oh, I don't need the context is... of the music it's just funny to hear f- about food it would, I you food. know what would be I great relate to food let's get some acapella cut of Weird Al, you can get all that those instruments and that bullshit out, and it's just him telling jokes about food. Yeah, he's just talking about his experience with Albuquerque, and I'm loving the whole thing. Uh, okay, well, we, so let's transition then, James, because what you uh, d- uh, pitched for our recording, which honestly, what a coincidence, it is Decemberismus, and you pitched the Decemberists, which is a band that um, that I know that you are uh, quite a big fan of. What was it about the Decembrists that that kind of spoke to you as someone who was never really a music person? Yeah, that, that's interesting. Like, and I, I I told this same story to uh, Chris like the first time that we got to hang out, uh, which absolutely is, go to jail. Name drop. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm gonna be <laughs> dropping. I'm gonna be dropping these names like they're hot because Wait. you know what? These are all my good friends, uh, except the- I haven't met Colin. But that's but, the whole thing. That's I the know. Whole well, first of all, first of all, Chris Funk is amazing. He's okay. he's great. He's a great dude. Pretty good at board games. Uh, I, Pre- oh, I, pretty good at board games. Scathing. I have, be- I have beaten him at his own game. So you know, he's okay. pretty good. Okay. And you know, Chris, that is a challenge to you. Uh, if if you have the ego to listen to this, which. <laughs> Goodness knows if you do. Um, but like I I really, you know, did not engage with music at all, did not move me, did not care for it. And a friend of mine played me, I, I think it was the Mariner's Revenge song in college. And my experience with music is mostly about the lyrics. I mean, that, that's the appeal of sure. Weird Al Yankovic is like yeah. he is telling jokes through the, you know, venue or vehicle of, of pop music parodies Mm -hmm. um uh and and the decemberists you know there is a lot of storytelling folded into their albums so you know it was like this kind of cool wild ride listening to mariner's revenge song um and then like 16 military wives was like big at the same time and you know i was a i was a person who went through high school during the bush administration so like kind of all you had to do is be like a little bit politically angry for me to be like oh yeah this is pretty cool yeah and and then chris funk shows up on the colbert rapport uh so you know it doesn't take much uh for for me to go like okay i'll listen uh obsessively to everything that these people have ever done for the rest of my life Okay. I mean, James, knowing what I know about you, it makes complete sense that you would fall in with like the December, December, the Decemberists in many ways kind of feel like, like if Dungeons and Dragons were a band a little bit. (laughs) So I, I totally get it. 
Yeah, like they have like an interesting sort of reputation. Like I, I, most people, I think, see them as like kind of exclusively uh, a pretentious hipster band sure. because they spend most of their time singing about like folk tales and sad sailors through like a very melancholy tone full of $10 words. Like mm-hmm. Colin I, Malloy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I understand that, but like I, I think when when you dismiss uh, the band in that way, it's it's kind of saying like, oh, they're one note because it's this hipster music. But like the thing that that I have found listening to the Decemberists over the years is that they change up their sound quite a bit. Um, yeah. And one of the reasons that I chose this album in particular is I think it is a pretty good cross-section of what the Decemberists are. They experiment with a couple different sounds on this album. Uh, they have, like, very clear and strong political messages sort of behind everything that they're doing on this album. Uh, and they still fold in a lot of the folktale storytelling and, and whatnot. But I also think this is, like, one of their poppier sounding albums like particularly sure. lyrically uh there are a few tracks in this album that i'm like yeah this is i i would say a, a i genuinely believe like not uh not disingenuous like mainstream nod by the decemberists like a lot of the songs in this album i feel like yeah that, that that's pop music um but i it doesn't feel like oh we're doing this uh, because we don't. Uh, we're doing songs that we don't have respect for. Um, yeah. Which is no, I, what I, I can. Yeah, I can see that, and I, I also just don't want what Johnny said to uh, to to slip behind too, because I I feel like I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. But his name is Colin Malloy, which mm-hmm. sounds like like the reverse of melancholy. A, re- a reverse wow. cat dog, if you will. That is, it's a reverse cat dog of the He's word melancholy. It's a reverse cat dog of melancholy. And that's his real wow. name. I looked it up. That is his real name. And it kind of, that's wild. I don't know. It's, to me, I don't know. if that, Is that like a chicken and egg situation where it's like you name a guy that and that's the kind of music he puts out? Or Really? He's from the Pacific Northwest, too. I feel like if you raise mm. somebody who's a reverse mm-hmm. cat dog of melancholy in that environment, They're you're kind of destined s- for this. Yeah, they're going to make sad boy music. Three years from now, when reverse cat dog gets added to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, we're going to know exactly where it started. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. I was I was also, James, you, you brought it up, but a little bit interested, too, because I know you're such a big Decemberist fan. Uh, this is the last album the Decemberists ever made, um, and which is, I mean, <laughs> so far. That's a technically uh, true. Uh, which, that is a which technically is, true way uh, of saying that. Uh, and it would be the last LP that they made, yes. but they, they did put out an EP mm. called yes. Traveling On, which Decemberists, for those that don't know, typically uh, take their B-sides and, and make it into a tidy little EP that usually accompanies whatever main album that they've put out. Like Carly Rae Jepsen. Exactly. Either way, I'm not wrong. This is the last album the Decemberists ever made, uh, last uh, LP the Decemberists ever made, and it's their eighth studio album. And uh, and I and I, obviously, like this, this came out in 2018. It feels like a a very direct response to um, uh, the the rise of the Trump presidency, and very much I, I feel like is very much an album situated at a moment in time. Um, but you know, since it is their eighth studio album, and I know that you're a big fan, is this your favorite Decemberist album, or are we just working with you know a, a really interesting Decemberist album that you wanted to explore? So this is an interesting one that I wanted to explore, gotcha. ma- mainly because I think my favorite would be harder to talk about because my favorite is Hazards of Love, which mm-hmm. is a rock opera, and a lot of the songs don't feel 
isolated from one another. Yeah. Like they're, they're flowing into it. It's kind of like the Tane. I feel like the Tane, you can actually kind of separate more effectively than hazards. But like, yeah, I, I, I love hazards. It is some of my favorite uh, stuff that like, I've ever heard in my life, um, but it is a lot harder to talk about unless you just want to dig deep on lore stuff, which I feel like is not the energy that you want to bring to a podcast. Sure, sure. Um, but this this album like is also a tremendously influential album to me. This is the album that I was listening to most frequently uh, when we started putting together Campaign Skyjacks. And many of the tracks on this album are like a deep core of, of what became uh, the part of that show, which is obviously a huge part of my life. Um and yeah, like actually, funnily, when, when I was in uh, at the concert uh, on, on the tour for this album, I, I was looking at the stage setup that they had and they have like kind of like as a big design piece for for this tour, a, a skull with these like swirling vortex eyes. Um, and I was looking at that big skull and just thinking, I would really love to run a game where we kill a god. <laughs> and like yep. that was just a that was just a thought that occurred to me, and you know it, it it's a little like I think a little eerie considering you know what 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 Skyjacks became like like how evocative the imagery surrounding this album uh, was to what I would eventually do with uh, their music. I I was at that same concert, but I was way up in the nosebleeds, and you were in the. The special yeah. seats in the front. We, we will we will talk about this, um, <laughs> uh, uh, which you know I think uh, much uh, part partially to my detriment uh, was I there, but I did uh, get those wonderful seats because again of Chris Funk, a wonderful man, pretty okay board game player. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, yeah, he he had uh, given us these seats because like I, I had like texted him being like, oh y'all are coming to town soon. I'm gonna get uh, some tickets, and he's like, oh no no no. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. Um, That's cool. These seats were way fucking better than whatever I could afford. Um, yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who is friends with the friend of the bass player for uh, uh, Liam Gallagher's band, I totally understand the idea of getting tickets that you don't deserve and getting an experience that shouldn't be for you. Uh, and it's a wonderful <laughs> thing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, a couple things I wanted to say about this album uh, before we kind of really get into it is that this hit number nine on the charts uh, and spent two weeks on the top 200. Um, it, uh, I think most of the Decemberist albums have charted in one way or another. Uh, Johnny, you'll be interested to know that uh, Petra Hayden of That Dog fame, who has come up thousands of times on this podcast, was also a member of the Decemberists uh, from 2004 to 2006 during a picturesque and practical handbook. So... This is a this is a that dog fan cast. Uh, it's another it's another like Bill Illuminati uh, that dog uh, Petra Hay- Hayden triplet connection. And it's then, just another testament of that dog. It's true. It really is. And then another just wild thing that I just found when I was researching this I, that I just wanted to say without any context because it doesn't fit anywhere else. Colin Malloy has the same birthday as his wife. That's wow. fun. Isn't that Same year wild? too? No, uh, she is one year younger, I believe. So they're one year apart, which is age appropriate. Uh, thank you. 
Leave but, room for Jesus. Uh, but but isn't that wild to be like married to someone? I, I was like thinking about that. I couldn't stop thinking about that when I read it. I was like, what would it be like to share a birthday with a Convenient. person you married to? Yeah, right? Yeah. Jessica and Buster and I, our birthdays are all within like a week of each other, which is very nice and fun. So you're almost can, like, there. Do, yeah, we can do like a lot of times we go to Florida for our birthdays and it's like, it's just one trip and we can see everyone and do the birthday thing. And, and it's. It's very and you're nice. You're celebrating the whole week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We get cake on Monday, cat food on Wednesday, and more <laughs> cake on Friday. Mariah and I are within a month of each other, and uh, Spaghetti's birthday is my half birthday. Aw. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it is nice. Uh, but anyway, I, I just thought that that was so wild. I, I don't know if that comes up if like you meet someone and you like start to fall for them and then you find out their birthday is your birthday and that just kind of cements it. Or you meet someone because someone's like, hey, th- this is they're having a birthday too, like at your birthday. I don't know. I don't know what their love story is, but I just think that that's so fucking interesting. Oh, we have a friend who just had a baby and she had her baby on her birthday. That's cool. For the baby, that's like having that's kind of like having your birthday on Christmas, you know, where it's like, (laughs) yeah. Um, and I'd like to point out that Carson also did a lot of like the design work, not just for this album, but but for a lot of December's albums, Hazards included. Um, uh, Carson is an artist, and uh, you can also find her work in Illimat, uh, which is you know, again based on Hazards. Uh, though uh, the Rusalka is like a bonus luminary that was made based on this album, so. Uh, it, that's a very cool connection. If you were into the Decembrists, you were probably also a fan of Carson's work. Um, well, okay, very cool. Let, let's get into this album. Uh, this album, oh shit, hold on. Now I don't know uh, how long this is. Let me see. Let me grab this real quick. 4306. Uh, it's actually 4312, Johnny. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Well, I'm looking at Spotify, bitch, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> This. All right, I got to add one second to yeah. each of these tracks on Wikipedia so that it adds up correctly. <laughs> this album was released March 16th, 2018. 11 songs, uh, clocks in at 43 minutes, 12 seconds. Now there's some discrepancy. Wikipedia says give six or take. seconds. So we'll give or take plus or minus six on that uh, estimation. Um, well, let's get into it. Let's start talking about it. This is track one. This is Once in My Life. That is a little bit of Once in My Life, uh, title or the track one. Um, all right. Johnny, thoughts? Um, yeah, I love. So I I am also a huge Decemberists fan. Um, and I would I would say they're probably one of my favorite bands of all of the bands that there are. And I really like on this album how there there's a lot more like synth which comes through right in this song right yeah. away. But they're like way more synth than they... I, I can't think of any other songs that are not on this album where they use... I'm sure there are some. Um, but yeah, so I, it, I... Oh, go ahead. 
No, it's interesting. Like they do use synth on other albums, um, uh, mainly because like they're working with like organ, um, which right. you can't tour with that. So that is usually represented as like synth. Um, uh, but yeah, this one has it like prominent and obvious that that's what's going on, which is a huge like pivot. I wouldn't even say pivot because, uh, you know, they every time they release an album, it feels like they're working with a new kind of musical thing. But like the genres listed for this, uh, anytime you look it up, would be synth pop. And it's not wrong. Yeah. Well, they were all, they were also using a producer that they I don't think that they had they had they've worked with like one producer for a long time. And this one was uh, John Congleton, uh, who was I don't think that they had worked with John Congleton um, uh, to date. Um, but and. John Congleton, by the way, has a long list of uh, other bands that he has uh, worked with, like a, a very long list. Uh, this song was also co-written. It's the only song that has co-writers, and it was co-written by two members of Yola Tango. Oh, interesting. Which is, I, I have no more information other than that, but cool and, and weird. Um, Wild to get co-writing credit on a song with 11 words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing. Uh, when I say that this album feels poppier, it's not just the presence of synth that is throughout it, but it is the way the lyrics are constructed in some of the songs. Like, yeah. there's this is a song that you listen to and you can sing along to it the first time that you hear it, which is like a pop music hallmark, yeah. uh, but really not something the Decemberists do because they like to, you know, they like to love the underloved words in the dictionary, the mm-hmm. long ones. Mm-hmm. They, they, they'll throw palanquin in a song. You know? I believe they use reverse cat dog somewhere in this album. Yeah, <laughs> they, they reverse cat dog a lot of their music. Um, Johnny, but yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the lyrics that yeah the Yelatenga people did not help with, which is lay us down beside the river, face down beside the river. Because if it's about <laughs> drowning in a river, you could be damn sure that yeah. Colin is the one who wrote those words. <laughs> it's like yeah, somebody think, else came yeah. in and pitched him like, what if they die in a river at the end? <laughs> I think he was just in a room. He said, Oh, for twice in my life. He happened to be in a room with Georgia Hubley and she said, How about once? Yeah. He said, you know what? That's better. Cut the uh, <laughs> you get writing credit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, I'll never, never fall down, never fall down. And then let's have them drown in a river at the end face down, actually, is kind of what I'm thinking. How many how many songs on this album have someone drowning in a river? I, it, at least two so far. How or many, two, this one and one big one. How many December songs? Uh, there's another one, yeah. Yeah. The, the, but, the, the, uh, yes. Just Drowning in general, is yeah. popular. <laughs> I, I think I think fifty percent of their catalog at least was drowned in a river. I think if Colin had his uh, comeuppance, his, <laughs> his 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 say in the matter, it would be a hundred percent. I do think that there's like I love to imagine the rest of the members of the Decemberists in some sort of betting pool where they're like in the studio to play the song and they're all just like putting money down to be like. Just wait until he slips in something anywhere about putting his face in the river or taking like a too, too long drink of water or just anything about that. Uh, maybe They're, their studio just overlooks like this horrifying river that is always <laughs> swelling with white waters. And he's just like, ah, the song's not working for me. He goes to like wistfully stare out the window into the river that he knows one day will consume him. Oh, yeah. Um, comes back. He's got, I got it. I know how I can get invested. Mm-hmm. We're going to drown in a river in this one. We got to get blinds in this studio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, he, he also said of this song that he was really interested in taking 
this very simple concept and making a whole song just exploring this one concept, which is just, you know, for once in my life, when will something go right? And that's the whole that's the whole song. Yeah. Deeply relatable, deeply relatable song. Hold on. This is huge. This is huge. Please. We've we've all been so comically wrong. I just looked at the annotation. The river stuff is directly from a Yola Tango song. The last two, the I Could Wait for Hours and the Lay Us Down are pulled directly from a Yola Tango song. Wow. (laughs) That's a reverse cat dog for sure. That is absolutely absolutely a reverse cat dog. Holy crap. But you know what? Yeah. It, he like, chose to take them. What that yeah. means is they share writing credit, but they didn't write it. Like he he Googled, he Googled, hey, has anyone said lay us down beside the river, face down beside the river? And it's like, unfortunately, Yola Tango already did it. It's like, we'll call their guys because they're going to get a check because I'm using the lines. I'm using the lines. I just I just like the idea that in Kalamaloi's search history, there's just songs about people drowning in a river. Or oh yeah, history. Johnny, here's a pitch for for me and you. This is a little side uh, a hustle for us. We just we you and I together. Maybe we get Arnie Parrott involved. Claire, you can ask him. Uh, we <laughs> we get we get together and we write a song called the Drowning in a River song. And that song is oh is all just like different lyric ways to drown in a river. We put we patent it. We put it out there. And then every time the Decemberists put out another fucking album. They have to send us a check because there you're you damn go. sure we use every way possible to drown in the river. And then Colin Malloy has to be like, fuck, they said That's, they said this. Did you, that reminds me of, um, uh, you know, if you if you Google like whatever song lyrics, Google will show you it'll just show the lyrics before yeah. you even click on any site. And genius dot com was like, hey, we think that you're like stealing these lyrics from us and not crediting us. And Google was like, no, we're not. So then they put yeah. like, I don't remember if they put like incorrect lyrics or they put some sort of metadata on the lyrics to be like, so that they could bring it to Google and be like, this is, you're stealing this from us. This is ripped from that's, us. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. We're going to get these bastards. I, I would just love it if Colin Malloy was like, surely no one's ever said like gargling the white water of the Washington's basin. And we're like, <laughs> nope, sorry, Colin. <laughs> That's in a song. That's in a song by the Bill Buds, and you owe them a hundred dollars. <laughs> I like that in this fantasy, you're bad negotiators. That's my favorite yeah. part. Uh, we don't want to push too hard. I mean, it'll fall apart. It's it's it's, it's not about the money. It's about proving a point. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I I I really like this song. I think this song it's it's simple, but it is. I mean, it's like uplifting and sad at the same time. It's yeah. it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I like this song when I'm sad. I like it when I'm happy. And it's a, especially with like that synth sound, which I do not associate with the Decemberists like at all. It is a good introduction to kind of what we will be hearing in this album. I got to ask you, did you guys watch the video for this one? Yes. Oof, it got me, man. Uh, This is, this is a real tug, tug at your heartstrings video. And if you happen to watch this video, I don't know why I did it because at the, if you watch the video on YouTube, there's a statement from uh, Colin Malloy, like about the video. And I just kind of kept scrolling down from there and I started to read the comments and I got to say, never read the comments, obviously never read the comments, but the comments for this one were all so 
fucking nice and sincere and people being oh. like thank you so much for this like this what is this is this is my experience here's what i was going through this made me feel seen and i was like truly i i mean i scrolled for a while and i was like this is wonderful that so many people are like being so nice about this yeah re- just a really beautiful video like truly truly beautiful yeah i i had never seen it until prepping for this and um it was just so nice it's we haven't even talked about what it is but it's um the the video director's brother, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, who is, he has? I for, I, for, I, I don't think they ever mentioned what up. condition he has, but he has some sort of uh, condition, um, and he's like seven two, and he's he's very very tall. He's like very big, and uh, the whole video basically is he's getting he's at a diner and he barely fits in the booth, kind of to show like you know just his and he's talking at the beginning of the video, kind of describing his uh, his condition, and everyone in the restaurant like he's goes to leave and like the people at the diner are being like mean to him and like calling him names and stuff like that, and then a cashier who's like don't listen to them, he goes out in the video. Uh, leaves the restaurant. This music starts playing. Oh, I guess he's in the restaurant. The music starts playing. He starts dancing to it. And then he's kind of like a guardian angel in a way. Like he's yeah. meeting other people along their way who are having like really tough moments in their life. And he's kind of like trying to uplift them through dance. It's very, it's very powerful. I would say it's, it's like super moving. It's great. And and cuts to the core of kind of what I feel uh, is a big part of this album that like, I, I wouldn't, say is a huge part of this song in particular which made me very excited because this was watching it for this show is the first time that i've watched this video um like it's about like wrath and mercy and like kind of Mm -hmm. like the juxtaposition between those two mindsets but like yeah the song i would say is pretty thematically disconnected from that but the video itself like really walks through that in a cool way that i love very much a lot of angel imagery yes Mm -hmm. And, and it's, I mean, really, it's about being like othered, you know, by society at large, right? Like people seeing you as different or beyond normal or whatever. And obviously, this uh, this album is going to talk a lot about, really, about like Trumpism and about kind of, you know, it's happening in a time in the country, like during like the rise of white nationalism. And just, you know, like being othered, I think, especially in the context of when this is coming out, is like, was very present in the American conscience as well. So I, I I just think it's like, it is a fantastic thing to explore. And I, I think that they do it, especially in this video with like a lot of uh, uh, a grace and the execution I think works really well. Um, okay, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we move on <laughs> since we've been talking for 35 minutes and we're on track one. <laughs> let's, Holy shit. Let's move on. <laughs> it's December, Smith. You're probably driving uh, to see your awful family, so why not listen to a long Bill Buds episode? Uh, yeah. we, we are, we're going to move on to track two. Uh, this is uh, uh, hashtag Skyjack spoilers. This is Cutting Stone. There upon a mountain top. I look down onto what I'd wrought And when I saw my labors through I cut my cutting stone in two Cutting stone, oh fear me now Weather wild, weather wild Though I travel far from All right, that is a little bit of Cutting Stone. 
Uh, I will say it is it, to, to me. It's wild because I I had never listened to this album before we started it with uh, with the show. So it was a wild to hear a song called Cutting Stone, which was a big part of Dref's arc uh, on uh, campaign and uh, or on Skyjacks, and then to be like, oh, this is the song. Uh, they must be big fans of the show. Um, so to <laughs> hear it was very fun, uh, but it's also listening to a bunch of other Decemberist albums, hearing like this uplifting synth throughout this song. I was like, this sounds like a normal normal. This sounds like a December song that I'm familiar with, but then there's also all this synth going on. It was a very wild experience. I love the synth in this too, how it's it's just like kind of like a droning arpeggio, just yeah. like oh, that's so cool. And it really sets you up to like clue into like the synth on the rest of the album too yeah. because like it is it is used that way very frequently um but yeah the juxtaposition between that instrumentation and like the lyrics kind of being this dark folk tale of someone who goes around murdering people at their lowest moments to spare yeah. them the pain of of that emotion like man that's just that's just great. I didn't I did not bother to to look up whether or not that's like an existing folk tale because it does feel like one, but it is just like such a thoroughly decemberist's theme there. Yeah, this is this is like an all-time decemberist's banger for me. It's it's so good. That that's I, what it just feels like a decemberist classic. This feels like mm-hmm. a classic decemberist song. In in a lot of ways too, which I it, it, I fucking hate how much so much of my reference is tied to this for just life but it reminds me a lot of um the elder wand from harry potter <laughs> um in in that like huh. there like at the end he cuts the stone and like harry uses the elder wand to like repair his own it kind of reminded me of that and then like whether wild or whether one like talking about maybe how you got this cutting stone whether it's like something that you found or something that you like had to best someone else to get but now you're sort of like the arbiter of whatever the cutting stone does Mm -hmm. i also love the idea like at the 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 part we just listened to when he decides to break the cutting stone this idea that like um you you don't ever stop to think about the thing that you're doing. You're just doing the thing, right? You're, you're, you're just like carrying out the thing that you think that you're always supposed to be doing until one day you're like, what the fuck am I doing? And this is, has to stop and it, ha- you know, it has to end. Um, so some people have also said that there's like a comparison to this song, especially how politicized this whole album is to like American foreign policy, which is basically just like start wars, drop bombs, build military bases type of thing. Like mm. we're the cutting stone. Uh, the, 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 the phrase, you know, um, if you're a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. Like all mm-hmm. your, uh, if, you're, if you're the biggest military in the history of the uh, civilization, all you're trying to do is use that military. You know, to 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 the same way where it's like there is an end result to that, which is a comeuppance and a you know looking back at everything that you've actually wrought and having to you know have the gaze of history fall upon that. Yeah, and also like kind of framing all of your actions as oh, you know, this is a merciful act that I'm doing. I'm uh-huh. going around. I'm sparing this person the pain of grief by murdering them. Yeah. You know, uh, post World War II, the Department of War was changed to the Department of Defense, and that's that's just good branding, my babies. Uh, all right, well, let's <laughs> let's talk about track three. Let's talk about track three. This is a song, uh, the Cynthia's probably of their songs. This is a song called Severed.
That is a little bit of a of severed. Colin Malloy describes this song as an apocalyptic dance party, which you know I think is is very is very uh, correct in that description. The synth in this one just feels like urgent, uh, yeah. but this this whole song is just like it's it's 2018, so obviously this is predicting the rise of the tyrant Joe Biden and kind of what his agenda <laughs> is doing. This was this was one of the first Q drops. This song, <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Uh, it also, I mean, this song couldn't be more about Trump and. The video also has like a like cartoon trumpet features in it. So it's like it's yeah. very obvious who this song is about. And also like lyrically transparently about the devil too. Like yeah. uh, it's it's it wears everything on its sleeve. That's one of the reasons that I like it so much. Uh, I mean, also Chris's dirty, nasty fucking guitar riffs in this song yeah. are just delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it feels, I, I think, a lot like uh, some of my favorite like anti-war like rock um uh just like that long dragging guitar that like makes you feel tired in the worst place you can imagine like man i fucking love it i mean this song kind of like is it like the dance party vibe to it is like not something i associate with decembrist right so it's it's so kind of like wildly unexpected that i think is like it's just very interesting yeah um a it also has a lot of lyrics that I really like. I like the the use of a light and oh oh allied 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 yeah mm-hmm. the, how they sound similar. Uh, a a great Decemberisty word slash animal jackal yeah. in there, oh, which yeah. is nice. Um, and I I really love the line. Um, I alone am the answer. I alone will make wrongs right. Like again, very very transparent, but it's it's. It just sounds so cool when he sings it. Yeah. And like I I have mentioned that this album is like a deep thematic like cornerstone of what we built up in Skyjacks, but like Severed in particular, this is one of the songs uh, in the December's discography that I picture as being uh, the perspective of one of the major characters in the show. And like this is someone who's been like kind of influencing things in a certain way since the beginning. And like we're about to get our first like indication of who this person is in the new arc, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, uh, but like, yeah, I love this song lyrically so much. There was so much to mine here for a, a compelling perspective, uh, because there's, you know, a lot of raw emotion kind of wrought into it. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, this is one of these albums that uh, the more I listened to it, I was like, it's impossible not to situate it in 2018. Um, and really just post 2016, just what people were going through and feeling and, 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 uh, in the liner notes of this album, they like dedicate it to Robert Mueller uh, as well, which I'm like, okay, oh, but, God. but hey, it's, it's 2018, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's easy for me to be like, in, you know, the end of 2021 to be like, oh yeah, that didn't really work out for you. But in well, 20, I mean, well, maybe they were yeah. blaming Robert Mueller for causing the whole problem. <laughs> this goes out to the Patriots, Robert Mueller, James Comey. <laughs> oh, but, it's, but it is so funny because you have to situate it in that time period. And I, I do think that, like, especially me who didn't listen to this album in 2018, it was a really interesting thing to, like, go back and reexamine how I was feeling about things. And this song, while it's about Trump uh, and, like, kind of specifically about Trump, it's also just about, like, Trumpism and like uh, demagoguery and like I alone can solve the problems that you face. Like I am the yeah. What's the the like the Caesar becoming the um, 
uh, uh, what's the it? Cult of Personality. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. But pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza. Thank you, James. I was trying to, I was looking for pizza, pizza there. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do think this is just like a very fun song and it's so different from other Decemberist songs mm-hmm. in, in, in just in the way that it sounds musically, synth, synth wise, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about track four. This is a track called Star Watcher. This is one that I feel like had to be a ton of fun to see live because I can I can see like chanting on that part would be very very fun. I yeah. I was that was one of my notes was like seeing the drums especially yeah, live was so cool. It was just so like big and they if I remember correctly they started with just the drums nothing else and it's just so like oh so cool. <sighs> yeah man. Yeah. Uh boy, I this is <sighs> This competes to be my favorite song on the album. Like I, I've been listening to this album so much, uh, and I listen to it so frequently uh, that you know favorites kind of like shift around and change. But sure. I love this one. This is one that I scream uh, to myself in the car as mm-hmm. I listen to it. It's just, it's fucking great. I'm glad you added as I listen to it because it would be yeah. so different if you just screamed ah! this. Star Watcher! Hold your ground! <laughs> uh, something else that's great about this song, short and sweet. It's Yeah, it's two and a half <laughs> minutes long. I, I feel like this is... So we're kind of maybe the synthy part of the album is taking a little bit of a break here and we're kind of going back to more like classical Decembrist, it mm. feels like maybe for the next couple songs. Mm. I'll tell you, speaking of classic Decemberists, this song has probably two of the most Decemberist words of all time, and that's fey and thistles. I mean, they I, they really have like a niche, and they play in that niche really well. Mm-hmm. What can you say? Yeah, and, and let's talk about anti-war music in the Decemberist discography for a second. Um, like, the Decemberists sing about war, frequently uh Mm -hmm. you know in like the soldiering life legionnaires lament yankee bayonet this is why we fight and definitely i think probably most famously to people who were around in the 2000s like 16 military wives Mm -hmm. was a huge hit uh like they frame war always as like this brutish nasty violent thing that tears people's lives apart and and ruins everything around it uh even when they talk about the idea of like fighting for something that you believe in like this is why we fight is like definitely a sort of like revolutionary call song but like throughout the whole thing it's like yeah we're gonna fucking die and it's gonna be nasty and miserable we're just dying to die on our own terms um star watcher i i think is a really interesting like 
song in the mix of all those anti-war songs because it is this thing about seeing what is coming, seeing like an inevitable, terrible thing that is on the way and the response being to hold your ground. Like the idea that like, yeah, we can see that fascism is is on the rise here, but like it's not the thing that you should be like flinching away from. It's the thing that you prepare to face, uh, which I, I think is very cool, very interesting. And like as I become more radicalized, this is a song that more and more resonates uh, in, in the deeper chambers of my heart. It's also such an interesting juxtaposition with like Once in My Life, which is just kind of Once in My Life is just this like simple, like pleading, like can't something Mm -hmm. go right to a song like this, which is way more of like you have a stake in this, right? Like you, you know, you can see what's going on, but you have to stay strong and you have to like hold your ground type of thing. And I, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting journey that the album goes on, I think. Um, and yeah, just a quick Skyjack's note. Uh, this is the song that I picture when I think about Jonnet. Uh, this is, I consider at least the future version of Jonnet. This is his song. Uh, so. Star Watcher, yeah. a.k.a. Jonnet's theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, let's listen to track five. This is Tripping Along. That uh, ending with the da-da-da's is a little bit of tripping along. Um, Again, this is another one that feels like we're in like a mid-album break where we're going back to some older Decemberist stuff. Like this this definitely feels like, you know, less restrained synth here. We're not like playing with that same element. And then this one also just kind of feels like a lullaby, right? Which is Mm -hmm. a, a, a a very different take than like Severed, you know? I like I like a lot of the lyrics in this one too. They they have I mean, again, some of those like really classic Decemberisty lyrics. I love the um, the the how the chorus changes. It's like the chorus, but it's different both times. And oh, what was the? Yeah, and I'm due for a line out, and I'm due for a light out. I like that. Oh yeah, you know, switching up the the words like that just slightly. Um, yeah, this is this is just a really nice one. And I will, I'll drop the surprise here. This is one of my least favorite songs on the album. Um, Mm. And it's mainly because I find this the least relatable. Like, this is obviously drug stuff. Um, And because of that, and because that's like not even anywhere close to an intersect of my life and experience, I can't tell how meaningful my interpretations of the music are because like a lot of people have very positive experiences uh, with with drugs. Um, And like I keep listening to this song. I'm like, is this about the opioid crisis or am I just being judgmental? (laughs) Like the the lyric, uh, uh, but your relatives gathered, I'll clamber about for your mind. Like I just picture because especially this is a Colin Malloy thing. I just picture this like awful desperate moment of people around you screaming to try 
and pull you back to consciousness as you're just trying to disconnect from the world. But also, like, there are some romantic notes in there. There's definitely, like, a sense of hiding and sheltering yourself from a world that is cold and cruel. Um, There's a lot going on there. And because I feel disconnected from it, I'm just like, and also because of the song that immediately follows this one, I'm just like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not going to skip this. I'll never skip it. But like, you know, I'm looking forward to other things. Yeah. Pace wise, we are at more of a break in the album too, because this, the, the, these last two songs, the pace has kind of slowed down a little bit too, right? This is more like a lullaby. Yeah. This is a shorter one too. Yeah, you know, three and a half minutes. Not not too bad. I, I gotta say, um, James, this contains one of my favorite lyrics in any December song, which is "Lick you, sticky, 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 sticky." <laughs> uh, because you know that's never something I thought I was gonna hear in a Decemberist album. Uh, uh, JPC, that sticky, sticky. That that doesn't that even sticky, approach sticky. the the horniest lyrics that appear in Decemberist songs. So like, I, I, this... here's here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I did not care for the lyric "lick you sticky 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 sticky" because sticky I had to keep sticky and sweet. Sticky and sweet. I'm cutting off the unsweet part because you say "sticky" five times. How sweet could it be? It seems like it's primarily sticky. But uh, every no, time the he, sweet is what makes it sticky. Huh? Every time he said <laughs> "sticky sticky 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 sticky," I was just like. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I, th- I found that very funny to say, like you, sticky, 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 sticky. Uh, I love. Well, especially when you say it like that. <laughs> I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Get that on. And how can shirt. you not? <laughs> uh, just imagining them in the studio, just like. And then we go into the part where I say, like you, sticky, 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 sweet. And then, <laughs> then the guitar, the guitar comes in. Colin just comes in. Do we need sweet? I've been thinking, do we need sweet? Can we just say sticky? He says sticky five times and drippy four times. Mm -hmm. So in my my opinion, there was one person in the band that was like, I can't hear the word drippy one more time. Cut out a drip. Like, you can say sticky five times, but you got to say drippy four times. And sticky and drippy are kind of incongruous, I would say. Being one sort of prevents you from being the other. I wouldn't say that. I, I guess it depends on how that. sticky or how drippy. <sighs> sticky and drippy sounds like Bizarro, Ren, and Stimpy. And that's the last that we're going to talk about this song. Uh, let's move on to track six. This is Your Ghost. All right, that is a little bit of uh, track six, Your Ghost. I, I feel like this song, appropriately, about more mortality, is like more urgent in a way that mm. the previous two were not. Like it's a, you know, the, the, it's a, it's faster paced. It feels like it's driving towards something. Uh, very, very enjoyable. Yeah, I love, you know, I love a good like memento mori, and that is this. This reminds me, you've heard of the thing where someone people say like, you know, every year you you pass by whatever the date of your death is and you just don't know until you're, you know, and then you're dead. And that's what this reminds me of. Like, you're just like doing all of these things, but you know, maybe in one of these places somewhere is where you'll, where you'll die. Like your ghost is haunting all of these places where you will eventually die. And for me, this is a cool song about ghosts. Yeah. I mean, 
There's a stormy castle in the seaside. Uh, and we're just talking about ghosts and maybe you'll find them there. You know? It's it's so good. I could have bet a thousand dollars that there was no way that a song on this album called Your Ghost wouldn't be one that you two enjoyed. Because it's like all you have to say is ghost and like you two are immediately on board. So fucking sign me up. I I love the like fucking harpsichord solo or whatever it is mm-hmm, in this. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um the honestly, this is another one that's like one of my favorite Decemberist songs. Uh I especially love that last verse. And at your final end, when you are free again, uh no longer long to be, you will belong to me. Like just finally becoming the ghost. So yeah. fucking cool. It's Become wild. the ghost. It's wild that your ghost is like you belong to me. And it's like, motherfucker, you're me. You're just me dead. Like, I belong to you. You belong to me. No, I'm going to make it weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Truly. Ooh. You will belong to me. Sticky, 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 sticky. <laughs> I, so I love it because I'm a perv. So it makes sense that my ghost would be a little perv, too. Oh, you belong to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, I've been dying to talk about this one, so please, let's get into it. Let's talk about track seven. This is Everything is Awful. little bit of everything is awful suck on that lego movie yeah <laughs> yeah Called kind of a direct answer out. yeah it really yeah. it truly is honestly it, ju- it just truly is they were really the first ones to take on chris pratt and i appreciate that yeah but before he gets so big that he will devour us all good luck having an animated anything without chris pratt in it I I heard this this theory that the reason he's doing so much VO work is because he's unvaccinated and no one will let him on set. (laughs) Which (laughs) feels true to me. Hey, Um, that is something that I can't corroborate, but absolutely feels true. I'll hold that hope in my heart because he might die. (laughs) No, the rich ones never die, unfortunately. What would be great is if he dies on a Monday. The ultimate Garfield move. Yeah, well, then I would believe it, you know. (laughs) I would believe it if he choked on a lasagna. That's the ultimate Garfield move. <laughs> you can't choke on a lasagna. They made that up for Garfield. There's no- <laughs> <laughs> uh, why would they make spaghetti so flat? Yeah. I think this song. I think this song is fucking wonderful. Um, it's got really similar vibes to Once in My Life in that it goes really hard on like one little concept. But yeah. you know, this is an uplifting song about how everything is awful, and that is how everyone felt coming off of 2016, right? Like it's just. <laughs> I remember the election night 2016. I won't talk too much about this, but I went to bed and it was like it was like one in the morning when I went to bed and I just couldn't watch any coverage yeah. anymore. And I remember about three in the morning I woke up because someone in my neighborhood, I was living in Wrigleyville at the time, was just screaming like a death whale like at the top of their lungs. And I remember waking up, hearing the scream, realizing 
this is what it's going to be. Like, it's just going to be screams for a while and then just going back to bed. It was a depressing time. <laughs> yeah, this is the most written in 2016-ass song. Yeah. Just imaginable. Yeah. Uh, and also extremely poppy. Great, yeah. great yeah. shit. I really like this song a lot. And I I um, agree with it. But it's also so strange being... It feels like Severed has more to say than mm-hmm. this. And this this song, maybe it was also just like listening to it in 2021. But do you remember that picture of a bunch of people in New York eating brunch on a patio? And then behind them, there were a bunch of like Black Lives Matter protesters being oh, yeah. like yeah, yeah, pepper yeah, yeah, sprayed. Yeah. This song feels like the conversation those people are having at brunch. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, isn't it's just so bad, you know? It's just so terrible, and and it especially when there are other songs on this album that just feel like they have more to say. This felt like flaccid to me. I still like the song, but it just didn't get me in the same way. It, it's it's interesting, also. Like this song ties into the crux of what I think my concert experience was. And Johnny, I'll be curious to to know about yours after this. But mm. like again, I got these tickets from Chris. The seats were wonderful. You know, I was only a couple rows back from the stage. I thought you were going to say the seats were warm. Yeah. The seats, <laughs> I got the them seats. from Chris, and it was obvious he had sit on <laughs> the seats. sat in them, yeah. Uh, and he, like, personally warmed every seat. He's just such, such, a, such a dear, such a sweetheart. Um, no, the seats were wonderful, and the show was fucking great. You know, like everything that they're doing on stage, the way they are staging these songs is so compelling uh, and and so great. It's in the Chicago theater. Um, But like as the show is opening, I'm I'm looking around at the, the crowd around me and I go, well, this crowd's a lot older than I would normally associate with the Decemberists. And like to bring them on stage, they brought out this like fucking music critic who was ancient uh yeah and gave that was most, weird the most awkward introduction to the decemberists who it felt like very much he was speaking directly to the people who were around me being like these are the decemberists you're here because i told you to be here and you're gonna like it trust me guys and i'm just like i don't know that these people are gonna like this uh and it felt like through the show, there was an energy that the people around me were resentful of the fact that at some point in the show, they would be expected to stand up. Um, and, and that yeah. is exactly kind of what happened to where when this song came on, I am jumping and dancing, you know, trying to make the most of the confined space that you have in the Chicago theater. And no one around me is moving. They are just standing there yeah. being like, I'm at least in my 40s. I'm at least 45 at the lowest. I can't wait to sit down again. Yeah. Um, and Colin is like playing up, like sing along to this. Let's all as an audience say everything is awful. Let's have this cathartic moment and doing a lot of like work to get that going, prompting people for that response. And in my section of the show, fucking nothing. Well, because for them, it's not it's so bad. Yeah. I know. I know, Johnny. <laughs> Do you think, can you get season passes to the Chicago theater? Like, were those oh, just people with, so. with the so. season passes who are like, well, you know, it's Saturday and we've got these tickets. I don't I'll fucking tell you what, know. 
We were having a fucking hoot up in the balcony. We were, I'll bet we were... you were. I'll bet it was great up there. I'll bet it yeah. was great. I looked around at those people and I thought, everyone here is so fucking rude. And I hope they drop dead. So Ugh. so th- this reminds me of a very fun thing that Billy Joel does, which Billy Joel does not sell tickets. Crash cars? He does. <laughs> Billy Joel does not sell tickets to the first two rows of any concert that he does. And then he just has his, like, whoever's checking people in. Uh, when people have, like, nosebleed tickets, he just upgrades them to those front rows because – He's like, I'm. He got so fucking bored of playing his shows to rich people because he was like, rich people buy the tickets because they don't mind spending all the money on the fucking tickets, and then you have fucking bored people at your show, and he's like, it sucks because that's the only people I see. So he was like, and Billy Joel doesn't need the money at that point. So he was like, now I just have fucking diehard fans who bought cheap tickets who wanted to come see my show in the front row, and yeah. I'm like. Every single fucking band, and I know, I know, like you know, it's economically doesn't make sense for a lot of bands to do this, obviously. But it is such a cool thing to do, and I think it would it would just make concerts more. We we did this when we. I mean, every concert that you go to, there will be a VIP section, and the VIP section is always in the best spot to see the concert, and it is full of the fucking richest, most bored people that you've ever seen in your life, and some people that like spent all their money so they could come and see the show or are having the time of their lives. But it's like it's such a waste to have the VIP section like that. That um, Billy Joel truly is the hero of. Long Island, and God bless <laughs> Unless you're a car. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, unless you're a car. If you're a car, you're fucked. Um, that, that absolutely rules. I, and I bet I bet a Billy Joel concert fucking whips ass. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Billy Joel fan, but that's a, I mean, that's a concert that I would never turn down. I mean, that, that has to be a fucking fantastic concert. I love Billy Joel, and, and I would turn down a concert. <laughs> uh, all right well speaking of suckers uh johnny let's talk about track eight this is a song called suckers prayer and when nobody did respond i took my glasses off and went to find a pond stuffing rocks into the pockets of my Sounds a lot like drowning. Where? There it is. That's where you want to drown, baby. So that is a little bit of a sucker's prayer. I, I got to say, sucker's prayer, fantastic name for a song. I, yeah. I love that song title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I also have to say, we're, we're eight tracks, and I never said my relationship with the Decemberists. I was completely unaware of the Decemberists until I saw the movie Suicide Squad Two, and Idris Elba's <laughs> character is mopping up the floor to this song, and I said, "I got to know what's this sucker's prayer song all about." That's, That's not, not true. true. You, you Johnny's heard, looking. Yeah. yeah, you're both looking at me like, is that true? No, of course not. I knew um, that wasn't true because you told me you listened to Picaresque. So, but like, but I knew that was... wasn't true because you told me you've never seen Suicide Squad two. <laughs> That's true. I lied to you. I lied to you both. Uh, this song is in Suicide Squad two. And yeah. the introduction of Idris Elba's character, it's completely like the wrong song to play in that situation. Truly, truly a wild moment and a great moment for me. Like, yeah. I was watching that with Mel and it's like, this is a Zebra song. 
They're getting paid. Maybe Khan's maybe kids are getting clothes. <laughs> maybe Idris Elba's just a big fan, and he was like, I I'll hope be so. in the movie. But I gotta have a Decemberist song. That means Knuckles is gonna be jamming out to Decemberist. Oh, dude, I can't wait. Did you see the, the trailer? Looks yeah. fucking awesome, and I can't wait for this goddamn yeah, quick movie. Knuckles the Echidna break here in the middle of this <laughs> podcast is probably gonna go very long. Well, Love I this mean, trailer. <laughs> if you want to s- talk about Knuckles and go long, you gotta join the Patreon and listen to us and Pranks talk about that fucking Sonic theme, Dude. especially all the Knuckles rap songs. If we have Idris Elba rapping as Knuckles in that movie, oh my god! <laughs> um, you're not gonna believe this, but I I just got a G chat from Pranks that says Knuckles is perfect in this trailer. <laughs> 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 I, I it's right. I'm looking at it right now. It and he's not wrong. I do love Knuckles. I never saw the first Sonic movie. I probably won't, but I probably will see the second one because I do love Knuckles. I'll tell you, do yourself a fucking favor and see the first one. It, it's on Paramount Plus, I think, right now. So it is It is like technically free uh, because I have borrowed someone's login to that. Go, yeah. go into it not thinking you're seeing a Sonic movie. Go into it thinking you're seeing a 1995 Jim Carrey movie and you will have the time of your life. Okay. Okay. I can be into that. Because guess what? Very into Jim Carrey in that era. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta say, guys, this this one, Sucker's Prayer, is my favorite on the album. I fucking love this song. It's also <laughs> it's also the most country of the songs, like on the album. See, now I was saying blues. This is like clear blues with with like a little bit of gospel in there to mm, bring it. Well, together. I mean, both of those have their right. Right, it's like blues and gospel. Country is like the grown out of both of those things. But yes, I I, I totally agree. It it this song felt like something that could be on um the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Amen. Mm. Amen. And which was great. And this, yeah, I agree. It's it's just so cool. I love the idea of like th- there's something so cool about that like that that twangy sound and like just the idea of like a down on your luck like like sucker. Just I don't know the the whole it it brings up all of these images for me of like being on a train car and being like, this is my last penny and eating beans out of a can and whatever. I don't know. And the lyrics, I want to love somebody, but don't know how, like, fuck, that is such a, such a relatable sentiment at, at, at different times in your life. Like, oh, and so, man. so is I want to throw my body in the river and drown mm-hmm. who well, among I mean, us. It's, it's like, if you had to pick the band to write the song about the person who's so in love that they want to drown themselves in a river, you would pick the Decembrists. There's, there's yeah. like, every you, time. So, yeah, you're not getting like a, a POD to sing that song. Like it's it's a, <laughs> that's a Decemberist song. Yeah, but but also that, that I mean that whole concept is such a country concept of like mm-hmm. you know being so in love that you're so sad that you have to end it all is like if if someone steals someone's truck and like shoots their dog then it's like that's the perfect country song right there. Like you mm-hmm. got all you have everything everything you need right there. Um, okay, let's go to uh, uh, track nine. This is Kesha's We All Die Young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever this guitar effect is, I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
That is a little bit of a We All Die Young. Not a Kesha cover. That was a little bit of a curveball that I threw everyone. Um, I, hey, look, I'll start out. Uh, James already declared um, that, uh, uh, what was it, Tripping Along uh, was not your favorite. This mm-hmm. this is honestly not my favorite of the album. I think it's because I really liked Everything is Awful. I really liked Sucker's Prayer. And then when we got to We All Die Young, I don't know. I I, I felt like the sentiment had been captured in a more decemberist way even though this one involves talking to the ghost of a civil war general. I mean, that's, that's pretty Decemberist, right? But I just feel like the sentiment had been captured already. And by the time we got to, we all die young in the album. I was like, eh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, This one wavers between being like uh, my least, like like a song that I dislike and a song that I like a lot Uh, right now. I'm actually in phase. I love this song. It is some classic punk which I yeah. do love. And you've got you've got Chris's nasty saxophone mm-hmm. up in there. Yeah, the sax I, I do love right. the sax. I love how the the song starts like whatever the Decemberist version of a jock jam would be. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I I do love that. Um and I, I like how the end gets it does that I, I love when songs do like kind of a chaotic end, like a chaotic build at the end, and it does that. A knuckles chaotics. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. You got Charmy B. You've got um, Mighty the Armadillo. They're all there. Vector the Crocodile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my issues here, and and by the way, I liked every song on this album, but some somehow around we all die young. The album started to feel like like what was going on in Severed, which was this like like synthy thing that I was like, oh, what the fuck? This is Decemberist. By the time that we we got to we all die young, it sounded so different from Severed that I was like. It it was giving me one of those like uh like I was listening to a different album at that point mm. where I was like I really would have loved to stay in whatever was going on in Cutting Stone and Severed with the synthy stuff a little more than get to by the way I love how they mix in kind of some more what I like to s- describe as classical Decemberist elements but this didn't feel like that it felt like a different thing and it was like it, it felt like maybe one too many things for me it, 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 easily I feel uh, there could be a classic punk Decemberist album like th- that, mm-hmm. that's a thing like we, we have this cool kind of pop synth thing um and like when you think of like the king is dead like you get an entire kind of like bluegrass country Mm -hmm. album from the decemberists uh i I can absolutely see wanting to live in the vibe of that synth pop synth pop a little more and honestly to to break off and and see what they do with punk stuff like this because again you get a sax solo in this yeah. punk song, which is really cool. Uh, it does feel a little bit out of place. And it's also one of the reasons that I chose this album, because it's a cross-section showing you that, like, you can't fucking predict what the Decemberists are sure. and what they sound like. Um, yeah. there's there. I'm realizing now that there's kind of a a big side A, side B thing going on with this album. Because oh, there, for sure. Side B is not much synth at exactly. all. Exactly, exactly. Which is I never realized that, but that's really I I get I get where you're coming from, and I'm a big fan of this too because in general, like eight, this is their eighth studio album. I believe by your eighth studio album, you have a fan base and you have the freedom, hopefully, to like yeah. start exploring. 
like we Johnny and I really liked that Miley Cyrus album uh, from last year, and it was like a Miley Cyrus uh, album that was like hard a hard rock album, you know. And it's like I love it when an artist says, "Yeah, I want to explore this new genre. I want to do something a little different from what we've done before, but bring everything that you like about me into that thing." I'm here for it. I I, I think it's it, it. My my main issue was it felt like a little eclectic. Where mm. I think a little more focus, I, I I just would have enjoyed a little more focus. That being said, I again I liked spoiler alert. I liked every song on this album. Why, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about this? Is their the 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 most Decemberist song on the album? <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a this is something that they kind of do, which is kind of like a double song. I guess is a way to say it. it's just one a long song, song that's a couple songs. Yep, <laughs> one song that's a couple songs. This is Rusalka Rusalka uh, Wild Rushes. We we could play a little more of the song. We could play the Wild Rushes side, but you know, for the sake of uh, uh, brevity, I think that we can we can say it's an eight minute song, and there's more. There's like another song to it. I fucking love that. I mean, I could listen to the eight minute Decemberist song forever. Like I that that could be a whole album of eight minute Decemberist songs, uh, and I would fucking enjoy it. When this album came out, this was a song that I. I w- I genuinely listened to this song on repeat, like yeah. just yeah. walking around. I just had this song on a loop, and I I went full like full fucking sicko mode and got so a lot of particularly wild rushes is based on like an old folk song. So I've I listened to a ton of versions of that folk song. That parts of this are based on, and also a lot of the hazards of love is also wow. based on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that song is called um, "Clyde Waters" from like a collection of uh, uh, folk songs called like the Child Ballads. It's very good, but yeah, I I just where I would listen to like that, and then this song back to back, just like just like walking around, just like an absolute maniac. Uh, James, I want to pitch something to you. And because I know that you are at least uh, familiar with a few members of the Decemberists, mm-hmm. here's something. Take it to them if you wish. Either way, I just want I just want in on it. Like I just want to be maybe like I'll producer credit. This is my pitch. It's a show. Maybe it's maybe it's a podcast. It's called the Decemberist Songwriting Challenge. What you get is you get a random instrument. You get a random monster from the Dungeons and Dragons Monsters Manual, and then and then you are given a band, and that band has to write a seven to twenty minute song covering only 
covering only that. So it's like it's like vibra slap and illithid. Like go, and then you have to the, like okay, the song is fifteen minutes. It's called the Mind Flares Lament. And here it is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, the, the December's version of like Iron Chef. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, like today's secret ingredient is. <laughs> A uh, gelatinous cube, uh, and your instrument is the uh, washboard. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll 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 send a text to Chris, see see what he thinks about that, and he'll say what he says to me all the time when I ask him things. I'll Stop texting me, James. About that. <laughs> Lose this number. <laughs> Chris is Chris. Uh, Chris Chris has to go to Daddy Colin. Colin calls all the shots, baby. Uh, I I do. I mean, uh, first of all, a Rasalka, fucking great. Mm-hmm. creature from lore. I mean, it's basically like a, a siren um, that instead of like dashing Minipal in the rocks, just pulls them into the river and drowns them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is the third the third drowning song so far, so. right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, really fascinating history too with, with Rusalka because Rusalka did not start as like kind of a malevolent uh, creature. Um, it was just sort of like an innocuous river spirit and slowly uh, got introduced that it was like kind of a wrathful seductress who drowns men. Um, yeah. Like an interesting like bit of feminist history in, in this monster, which which I truly love. Like, and everything about this song is great, especially like talking about the juxtaposition of wrath and mercy. Like the first oh, yeah. bit, Rusalka, Rusalka, you've got this very sad man who cannot deal with his sad life and is just like, yeah, the thing that will love me is the thing that will kill me in, in this kind of like cold and, and peaceful way. Uh, you know, being sort of like a bittersweet, beautiful bit of mercy. And then you've got wild rushes about the nasty fuck boy who can't listen to his mother. So he gets fucking drowned in a river. Dude, can Love you it. imagine being so horny that it's the middle of the summer and you want to fuck a voice in the water? You that I can't. I honestly, I can't even put myself in the position of being that horny that I'm like, man, I'm so horny, I gotta dip my toes in the water, and then suddenly I'm like, a voice wants to fuck me down there. I'm dead. Like that's that's, that's prince level horniness. That's, truly, <laughs> truly. Um, this man, this song. I what's what I love personally for me and this song is I went f- full full throttle on this and then it became such a huge part of the Travis who I play on um campaign mm-hmm. okay. and I that was very fun for me to be able to just like engage with the song more and like um iterate on it in new ways and like keep exploring what it what it means yeah uh, man and i'm so glad like we finished record we're, we're very nearly finished recording like uh the latest arc of skyjacks right now and i finally got to reveal like the thing that has been like based on this song for for a very long time uh and i'm often struck just by like how not creative that I feel like I've been in the whole Skyjacks process because it's all all you need to do is listen to Decemberus, baby. It's all there. Yeah. It's all there. I I took a lot of stuff from um the 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 like ballad that this was based on too. I don't know if have you listened to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, oh my you've, gosh. you've introduced that to my life, which again so lovely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, when we're done, I'm going to go fuck a river.
And just so yeah. everyone, just so everyone yeah. knows, for, for my part, um, Dref is almost entirely a ripoff from a Korean uh, podcast that is uh, a, a similar subject matter. But I just, I mean, I just took, I just took every part of it and I just <laughs> put my own spin on it, and that's kind of. That, I'm, I'm basically, I consider myself the Netflix of podcasting. So if someone else has done something mildly successful, I'll just change the IP a little bit so I don't get in trouble. And uh, there it goes. <sighs> Feels good to get that off my chest. Did you did you know like uh, 50 years ago they reversed the flow of the Chicago River so that it could fuck you in the ass? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's, here's, here are the two things that I wanted to bring up with this song. Because it's an eight-minute song, so my brain has a lot of time to just like think about things while it's going mm-hmm. on. Um, but the, the first thing that I thought about was uh, we are getting a time of release of this episode. I think that it might even be out. Uh, season two of The Witcher, uh, also on Netflix. I loved The Witcher books. And this song, like the concept of Rurosalka, I mean, that's like, it's so close to like The Witcher uh, is like a Polish uh, series of books anyway. So it just feels like very close to that. Uh, there are no, I don't think, a, I don't think there are any. This Rusalka's is Ukrainian, but yes. Yes. Is, yeah, is that related to the video game? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the books spawned the video game, which spawned the series. Whoa, that's fun. Yeah, very fun. Um, and the series is like kind of like an exploration of the books, and the video games were not. The video games like the, took place like post the books. It doesn't matter. But The Witcher's coming back, and I was like, how fucking cool would it be for the Decemberists to write songs for The Witcher? Because they have a character in The Witcher who's like a minstrel who like sings this type of song. And I thought it would just be so cool to have like a Decemberist writing credit because it's right up their alley. Like he's, he's, The Witcher basically is fighting mystical and, you know, monsters and beasts and stuff. So it's right up the alley. But the other thing that I was thinking of when I saw this, completely different direction, or when I heard this song, I think it would be fun to hear the Decemberists do a Bond song. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. You're not wrong. That's I think funny. That they live in the realm of the of epic so well, and so many of those Bond themes are just like ba da ba. Like it's big. It's like big. But I would love to see their take on that. I don't know. It's, I, well, I they. I feel like I have no new ideas. I only want to hear what artists would do with a Bond song. So <laughs> they have like some kind of espionage songs already. So I mm-hmm. feel like they could. They could. They could do it, and they could do a real fucking good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, I'm the Netflix of podcasting. I'm just looking for ways to combine IP in new ways so that I don't have to do anything original. I could just make IP and twist it together. This song is, like, first of all, absolute top-tier December song. Yeah, like 100%. It's... This is a song, and I don't, I can't think of any other songs that I would describe this way, but it is like an intoxicating song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just, it, this, this song does to me what like the Rusalka does to sad men. It just like, I can't help but listen and, and keep listening. Drag me down, take me away. What's the other uh, December song? The Mariner's Revenge song? Mm-hmm. It, that's the one that it's the same way. It's like if I hear the first 30 seconds of that song, I have to listen to the next nine minutes because it's like there's yeah. no way that I can't, you know, hear that whole song. Um, I guess the, the only other thing that I'll say, because I love just pointing out the lyrics that I truly love, is um, I love the line, the the deeper the water, the sweeter the sin. That's yeah. so, mm-hmm. oh my, what a fucking awesome awesome line there are some real fucking bangers in in this like 
the the description of Rusalka and Rusalka Rusalka just rules. Mm, like yeah. it's such an evocative picture. We we got so many lovely fan artists out there for Skyjacks. If you are a fan artist listening to this and you have not listened to this song, take a listen because mm-hmm. it's just delicious. And I, I would love to see what you do with it. Johnny, I also got to say, deeper the water, sweeter the sin also applies to peeing in pools because it gives mm-hmm. you more time to get away from mm-hmm. what you've done before people notice what you've done. My dad is current. They're currently building a pool in his backyard. He just called me the other day, told me they're making it a foot shallower on the deep end. I was like, where the fuck am I supposed to piss, dad? Yeah. What the fuck? Your dad's a fucking idiot. I don't have time to be He's going to he's going to go inside to piss when he's got a perfectly good pool in his backyard, you maniac. I, I can't stand it. All right, let's talk about it. Let's listen to you. Uh, surprisingly, this 8-minute song not the last track of the album. The last track is the title track. This is track 11, I'll be your girl. So when everything's soft to break you. When fortune has long betrayed you. And you're longing for an I gotta say, what a beautiful song to end the album on. I mean, just like uh, musically, it's just such it's such a nice end to an album. It's just like a clean come down. I yeah. I I feel like Rusalka Wild Rushes could have been the last song, but sure. I love the idea of like just a nice short like cool down. You know, like this. Th- we just got done with this big epic, and it's just like let's just have a pretty nice little time dreamy little yeah Mm. before we we part ways here's what this song is we've been to dinner we've had dinner it was fucking wonderful paid for the check left a pretty nice tip by the way you gotta tip your tip your wait staff you're done though they bring you the check back and you open it up couple of andy's mints in there and you're Mm. like yeah i'll take i'll take an andy's mint i'm not full enough for an andy's mint and it's creamy, and it's got some chocolate, and the mint. Oh, it just it works so perfectly. And then it's done. This episode sponsored by Andy's Mints. Please contact. They're the sticky show. and drippy. Sticky, sticky, <laughs> sticky, 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 sticky. Sweet Andy's Mints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love this. It's a take on "I'll Be Your Man" by Leonard Cohen, and it's it's. I would say, and, and not even it's a take. It's like kind of in conversation with that song because it's like you know very similar. But you know the the idea of like I won't just be your man. I'll be your girl. Like, I'll take it another step further. It's it's very fun. Uh, yeah. Is this song a trans narrative? Who's to say? Uh, but <laughs> we do have we do have these lyrics. When the tempest rage and the oceans roar at your door, I could be your man, but I'd be that much more and more. Uh like, I don't know. I love it. Well, it's it's so interesting too because the the very first track on the album kind of it does really especially that video, but I do think that a concept that they are playing with and is very present on Colin's mind, especially because uh, I believe he has an autistic son, and it like the concept of being othered is is very important to him and is coming out in the lyrics. I think that this song is all about that, uh, you know, that concept of being othered. Like you are what society dictates you or you are what you are presented as. And I I think that this song in an interesting way turns it on its head and is like, 
I kind of decides what you'll be. Like I get to decide what I will be type of thing. I I like I did I didn't consider that, but thinking about that, there's the line so when everything soft abrades you, and it's kind of like when everything in the world that is made the the world that you navigate is made for people who are not like the other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those things will be abrasive to you because it's it was not designed with you in mind. That's really that's really cool. Well, that's not really cool, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, you think the status quo is really cool. You think really the cool. way people treat people is just cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't care for the song Severed. I didn't like what it was saying. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I liked Severed because I, it felt like it was talking about my perspective a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was baking Severed and trying to figure out what Q was telling me from <laughs> Severed, and that was putting me on a path to, like, do your research. Just do your own research, basically. Um, okay, well, hey, look, we're, we're at the end of the album, um, you know, 11 songs, 40-something minutes. We have to give our final opinions. Uh, James, of course, you're familiar with the show, uh, but just for uh, any new listeners, why would there be new listeners? Uh, what a, what <laughs> People are what coming here for this. What an episode to start with, mostly talking about a, another podcast that you've never heard. I'm going to pull all the Skyjacks listeners for this one. Uh, all of them. There are so, morsels. There are secrets. <laughs> The 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 way that we do this is we will and Johnny is going to keep track of this because he keeps track of where all of our guests land. Mm-hmm. We on the Billbuds have tasked ourselves with the uh, very stupid task of building our top 100 albums of all time. So Johnny and I will have to decide: Do we recommend this uh, album to to folks listening, and where would we put it on our top 100 albums of all time? James, we want to ask the same of you. You brought this album, so I hope that you will recommend it to people. Uh, I think it happened once where Tyler was like, no, this isn't very good. Uh, oh, it, <laughs> happened, it happened Liz, twice. Liz, Liz, Liz. Tyler would... Well, Tyler and Liz both did not put their albums in the top 100. Tyler did Batman by Prince, and Liz did famously Ms. Ms. Understood by Pink. Uh, oh boy, oh boy. But it's just so fucking wild. James, <laughs> do you recommend this album? And if you do put it in your top 100, where would it go? Yeah, I definitely recommend this song. Um, where I would put it in my top 100 is a challenge. I mean, well, those top you, spots you, are... Yeah. <laughs> those are just reserved for the Decemberists. Uh, <laughs> and like, how much can my top 100 even mean? I'm sorry, James. You're, I guess your top eight is because you only yeah. listen to eight albums and where does this one <laughs> situate itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, hmm. I, like, I would I'm, love for this to just be the number one guest <laughs> album. <laughs> I, I, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be high up there. I would say probably... I, I'll, I'd be comfortable making this number five. Um, number five. Like, yeah. Oh, so unfortunately, slot for number five. <laughs> something else is in number five. Oh, this is the first time this has happened for a guest, I believe. For a guest. Sorry, you can't put it at number five because some other guest has already gotten there. And we can't bump guests. Once they no, decide, no. they decide. Yeah. Do you want to know what number five is? Yeah, I do. It's Aim and Ignite by Fun. Oh, uh, that's oh, Aaron Keith. Uh, <laughs> then let's let's bump that up to four. <laughs> James is going in at four just to beat fun. Wow, I love that. That is some fa- that is some fantastic energy for the show. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I, gotta, I feel like uh, you know being a Patreon listener for Hey Riddle Riddle. It's like you got to stick it to Aaron sometimes. Yeah. yeah so so what you're there? You you think that there are only uh, this is fine. 
mm-hmm. I'm not disputing you, but but there are only three better Decemberists albums than this one for you. Uh, when you get for, into the granular of it, Johnny, it really makes the decision much harder. Yeah, mm-hmm. for 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 me, I mean, like, because above this, easily, I can put hazards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and then like there, it, it it gets a bit dicier because like this one has so many songs that I'm like, even my least favorite songs are really strong entries yeah. where. As much as I love the Decemberists and truly, truly do love them, uh, a lot of their music uh, lives in like this kind of early 2000s edgelord space. There's so much sexual assault that uh, mm-hmm. shows up in, in the themes of their music. Uh, there's a lot of like joke songs that like suck now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so that 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 makes uh, my relationship with those albums like more difficult to fully reconcile. But yeah, I I, I think I could comfortably say that like if i if i were to come through i mean the king is dead is, is probably in there uh at at two and then i'll just go ahead and pencil yeah. those in no now. no yeah, no let's Johnny, do it. We, hey, them yet. we gotta wait for december Smith to return <laughs> that's now, true and, and james i i gotta say that at least some of this has to be colored by the fact that this is the last album that the decemberists ever put out so it's like <laughs> i mean except for <laughs> traveling on which came out immediately after it yeah Again, we're, yeah it's like you know the lp is as far as, far as lps are gone like they never put anything out after this so that's this is the end of the road for the decemberists <laughs> And I want to keep saying that in as many ways as I possibly can. Johnny, we got to go to you. Uh, What do you think? What do you recommend this album and where would you put it? I would absolutely recommend this album. Um, Like I said, they're they're absolutely one of my favorite bands. Um, And and there's not an album of theirs that I wouldn't recommend. I'll I'll say that right now. Um, This was really hard for me because there are so many other decemberist albums that i also love so much sure um and i i think out of (laughs) there are other albums that will absolutely go on my top 100 for sure yeah of course that's the whole show Uh, other decemberist albums thank you johnny (laughs) johnny i don't like the direction that you're building towards right now and here's and here's the thing too is i've learned a lot of lessons about <laughs> i don't about think you my have whole, <laughs> no i have he has not narrator voice he has not because there's a version of me that would just toss this in the 90s and not have to worry about it oh a there's wrong a version, version? A ro- no, you, okay mm-hmm. you mean the version of you the one that yes. exists johnny so then my only two options are to put it higher or to not put it on the top 100. And there are, again, I love this album. There are a lot of Decemberist albums that I like more than this one. And because of that, and because of my past mistakes with the 90s, I I can't put it on my top 100. You fucking ponce. You fucking ponce. I listened to you week after week. I listened to you during the Olivia Rodrigo album, uh, an album of all bangers, all hits, and you went, no. And and what have you what have you put? What have you put on your album, you filthy well, I, ingrate? I think I think most recently I did put Ashley Simpson on my top one hundred. So, so many people got so upset with you for putting <laughs> Ashley Simpson up there, Johnny, when you didn't want to, and then you made it like weirdly higher. You are Johnny <laughs> a fool of a took. <laughs> <I wanna> say- <laughs> 
I, I want to grab you and shake you right now. What look, is I'm, wrong with look, you? Look, I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm listening to feedback. No, you're not. <laughs> I don't think he is. Look, Johnny's Johnny's a fool. We knew it when we started the podcast, but. He was our last shot because Johnny's a Decemberist fan. Now, I, I guess I like the Decemberist music, but I'll be honest, I've probably not listened to all of their albums. I definitely had never listened to this album before uh, James picked it for the show. I liked this album a great deal, but my, my main critique of the album is that I felt like it was going in a few directions that were... It was a little uh, too much, just a little too much for my palate. I think I really, 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 really would have loved if they like sat in uh, a direction. At the same time, I would, I never want to not have a song like Rusalka Rusalka on a Decemberist album. I don't care if you're like, this whole thing is like, we're going to do like um, this like experimental tonal music, but we're also still going to put like an eight minute song about, <laughs> about like a, 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 displa- <laughs> a displacer beast or some shit like that. Like <laughs> I, I, I definitely still want those songs and I love that aspect of the Decemberist music. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I could call myself like a Decemberist fan knowing that I'm like, I, I have such a blind spot for, for so many of their albums. That said... I do think a couple of the albums that I have listened to, which is more like their, I think, like mid-2000s stuff, Mm -hmm. struck me way, 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 way more and was like – and I was in the Decemberists are a polarizing band because if you don't love – like I I was a huge, uh, huge, huge – I almost said Bright Eyes, not what I meant – Death Cab for Cutie fan. I feel like Death Cab and Decemberists live in a similar similar, like niche – Whereas in Decemberists, the dictionary, certainly. Thank you. Uh, Decemberists, uh, yeah, the D section, encyclopedia probably, encyclopedia of music. The Decemberists have a more like folklore style than, than Death Cab. Um, but I feel like if I had hit, when I was really into Death Cab, if I had also hit Decemberists, which I had not, I feel like I would be like a Decemberist fan diehard, you know, to this day. Um, So that being said, I can't put I'll Be Your Girl on my top 100, but I definitely think that this is an album, especially if you are, um, if you listen to the show and you you, uh, loved some of the music or loved the music that we're playing, I think that you really enjoy the album. And if like the guy, if uh, Colin's voice is like not for you, you probably are never going to be a Decemberist fan because it's, it it, it truly, that to me is like Death Cab. Like if you don't love um oh god what's the death cab guy's name kenneth caberman yeah Ken- yeah thank you it's kenneth caberman if you don't love Mortimer his voice cabman yeah you're never gonna love death cab but like if you do it's like you're gonna love everything that they've ever done type of thing so uh johnny this is also not the first time that we a guest has put something very high and we haven't even considered it for our I, I mean the other one was damon ignite by fun yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think hey, we we had nicer th- we had nice I, I, things to say about both. I think we did have nicer things to say about this than Amy Ignite. True. I, I, and I can I can understand uh, where JPC ended up with. Like that does make sense to me. Johnny, I think, is making a bad mistake here that Agreed. is going to haunt him uh, for the rest Look, of his days. But I really want to because it didn't crack the top one hundred for either of the Bill Buds, the the titular mm-hmm. Bill Buds. I, I do want to point out, like, if you are somebody listening who has not listened to December stuff the reason that i picked this album is if you listen to it and you like any part of it you're going to find something in that discography that Mm -hmm. really really gels with you especially if risalka is your jam so give this a listen and discover the decemberists and James, just to explain what happened uh, with Johnny, he is currently experiencing what uh, we in Bill Bud's land like to call the Weezer effect, 
where you put out a really great album and then the fans come in and they say like, yeah, more of this. And then you try to put out an album that's similar to that and the fans hate it. And then you hard correct the other way and the fans hate it. And so then you hard correct the other way. And eventually we're going to get Hurley out of this guy. But but basically where we are now is like Ashley Simpson landed on his top 100 and this album did not. And Johnny. he's going he's to fuck up across the board. Johnny out here shooting himself in the foot, the ass and the dick while pissing into the wind. I love it. I t- truly I've I've ju- I've just fucked myself so so what are you so doing? So tragically. What and are this, you doing? This top 100 whenever it's finished will be something that I will just have to absolutely fucking carry with me for the rest of my life. I'll also say that if you are a fan of the Decemberist Musics, you you must, you simply must check out a Campaign Skyjacks available wherever uh, you get uh, uh, your podcasts. Also, um, for um, forever, you can... I don't know what I was going to say there. For more than that, uh, you can also become a Patreon of the One Shot Network. That is uh, patreon.com slash one shot Bill, bu- Bill Bud's pod. Yep, patreon.com slash one shot podcasts uh, or Bill Bud's pod. Uh, either way, honestly, you can either way, Johnny gets money. Library, so. Yeah, that's true. And whatever you do, do not go to patreon.com slash hey riddle riddle. Honestly, these should all be at your bookmarks by now. Uh, James, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for being an official Bill Bud. We are so sorry that we treated your uh, uh, album with uh, I'm so only much mad at Johnny. disrespect. I'm only mad at Johnny. That makes you sense. No, I... you should direct all that anger at Ashley Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we tip our hats to you and we wish you a very fond Decemberismus. Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going out. Johnny Lamar, hands up for them real ones, them good girls, them bill buzz. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>